What's up guys, it's Shanae. Welcome to another episode of the Eheng Podcast. And today we will answer a question from email. This is from Randy. Hi Sean, Randy here, currently residing in Perak. First of all, thank you for awesome content to bridge the gap in property knowledge for all your viewers here. Honestly, I'm a little late into the property game. I'm 38 this year. I've made two bad property investments a few years ago. I managed to sell one in Cyberjaya at a loss for about 40,000 after six years. I bought at 255,000 and sold at 210. The rental yield and capital appreciation keeps decreasing every year. Even new projects in the area sells at 210,000. I'm stuck with another condo property in Penang which I bought at 610,000 five years ago. I wanted to dispose it but unfortunately agents all over told me that it's now only 560,000. It is currently tenanted out at 1,008. The thing is me and my wife made all these impulse purchases based on hearsay and now we had to pay the price. Not to mention, I discovered your channel a little bit too late. What are your thoughts on cutting losses by selling existing projects as a loss to get a better property? My intention to sell is to free up 190% for DSR to invest in a property that can give cash back as well as give possible cash flow. But in order to achieve this, it was recommended that I go for a co-living rental strategy. I understand that if a developer allows it, a partition renovation can be done on the unit. I've not jumped the gun yet. I would like to know your thoughts on this strategy as opposed to a traditional rental. Also, one side question. Assuming that if someone is single and have maxed up both 90% DSR, do you have any advice or strategies who still want to buy a subsequent property? Are the Penjana or HOC still a viable option? It would seem that if one is not cash rich, then they can pretty much forget about the third property onwards. Once again, many thanks. Regards, Randy. So thank you very much, Randy, for the email. And we will break down the questions one by one. So it's about husband and wife made two mistakes in their property investment journey. Then now they are trying to cut losses. So is it right? So that's generally the topic. But what's more interesting here is uh, the first one. And they bought one in Sabajaya, 250000 Six years later, sell at two hundred and ten. And I still remember this vividly because... One of my best friends actually bought properties in Cyberjaya and generally all of them got burned. Because a lot of people misunderstood the goal of buying properties. The goal is not to buy a cheap property. The goal is to buy a property that will appreciate in value. However, a lot of people are just attracted with low price property. For example, oh 280,000 Puchong South, which is Cyberjaya lah. Puchong South. Then everybody just go in. Oh, so it's next to a mall, it's next to whatever. And I still remember back then, I just advised like, have you checked the rental rates? Because rental rates is the direct reflection of the temporary demand of a location. So if the temporary demand of a particular area is high, the rental rate is the first one to reflect on it before capital appreciation. And Cyberjaya is one location where it's very, very weird. It's just filled with infrastructure, a lot of universities, a lot of malls, lots of office, lots of job opportunities, well connected, but people are just not moving in. Yeah, but that applies to only high rises. Landed properties are doing extremely well. I don't know why. And that's something that I'm really looking forward to figure out later. That's why I just love property so much, right? Also, in this story, it indicates that not all properties make money. A lot of people get into this game most likely because they heard of a property story that makes a lot of money. This uncle made a lot of money just doing properties, right? 
be very careful with that because what people don't tell you is the type of property that they invest and the time that they invest in. As we spoke before in the channel, most of them always talk about two main locations in property. So it's always Desa Park City or the Satya Alam story where they buy firsthand and after it's completed, they can flip almost double. Then they buy more and flip more. So now can just retire. Those are the stories that are available only for that particular slot of time now property flipping such strategies are not applicable anymore because they are heavily cooled down with a lot of cooling measures by the government just by revising the rbgt right the flipping game is gone i can just impose 35 percent for the first two years gone then the second thing randy shared is also about the purchase made based on hearsay i can also understand because it's just way more convenient and way easier to just buy based on a person's opinion. But something I always share in the channel is even if I were to say this property can really be considered, right? I would say expect you to do your very own due diligence because our risk appetites are different. Our profiles are different. Our standard of living is different. Because I'm all in for property, maybe you are not. Another thing to also think about is to always audit the person that you're receiving advices from. Wow, this one can buy, uh, this one can buy. Uh. Comfort make money on. Uh. Sometimes you think, right? Are they even in the same game? Like if you have bought and you buy like five units, right? Then okay, you are qualified or you are invested enough for me to have certain influence on it. If that friend is a particular agent that's going to make money off commission from your purchase, not to say that the decision is wrong, but please do your own due diligence. The two things that I really believe on making the informed decision and taking calculated risk. So the main question from Randy now is by selling the properties, right, at a loss, is to clear up the slots for 90% loans to buy the new property. Is it wise? To me, yes. Like for those who were not updated, I sold my semi earlier, the one that really got me into trouble. So I actually lost money on that deal. But to me, rather than holding it, right, there's this thing called opportunity cost where it hinders me from getting another property that will make me money again. Also, another concept is the difference between capital appreciation versus cash flow. By losing 100, 200,000, right, it's not gonna affect me as much as the monthly installments of 10,000, 12,000 bucks. Because that cash flow actually hinders me way more than the actual loss itself. So to me, I'm absolutely agreeable to cutting losses just to open up slots to get more. But then now the problem is where to get more quality deals, right? Then the second thing is about co-living versus conventional rental strategies. So here, I think he means it's just by splitting rooms. Co-living is just a very cool term of renting the unit by rooms. You know, last time when we stay around colleges or campuses, right? The surrounding apartments are usually split by rooms. I can still remember one apartment that I stayed last time. One master bedroom, sleep five guys, and everyone just shares the living room as a work desk. And apartments around the entire areas are all the same typology. Do we call it co-living then? No. But then co-living is this new concept where a rental management company actually have a few of these units all together they work with owners because not all owners wants to manage all these kind of things so he managed them and to add in more program for example have a badminton session networking session talks or whatever to be somewhat like perks for tenants that rent rooms but actually it's the same thing lah. so is there a thing against such a thing in my opinion if you are only one individual owner i don't see a problem with it 
But if you are a rental management company that has like maybe 40 to 50 units, then it would be an issue I would suggest to first clear with the GMB or the management committee. Because it actually affects the other residents. Imagine if 50 units all rent out room by room, that will actually affect the tenant profiles and will this tenant profile affect the residents in terms of the facility usage? Will there be a breach of security and what are the measures to monitor all this? So this needs to be discussed if you're doing this at scale. If you are an owner only, no lah, I don't think it's a problem at all. And such strategies are great in maximizing your rental income. So suddenly if you rent out conventionally, maybe one family, or you rent out room by room, maybe there's like only three bedroom. And when it's rent out to three different users, right, usually they won't sit down together and eat rice, right? They won't sit down together and watch TV and chill. So that common areas is always wasted. So to maximize more, maybe you can split the living room into two again. Then to prepare a pantry instead of a dining table because everybody else is going to just eat in front of their work desk or table. Well, that's based on experience of a student. But remember, such strategies does not apply to all. If it's a family-oriented location where it's a distance away from offices, a distance away from tertiary education facilities, then it's not as workable. But if it's really close to office complexes, it's really close to commercial hubs or whatsoever, these are great because imagine a young chap that just graduated come to KL, right? They will just get a room that is 280 bucks or 320 bucks per month. Yeah, so please evaluate your property in accordance to the tenant profile. Well, technically you should do this before you buy, but since we are in this stage, yeah. Then the last question will be about the 290% loan. Uh, a lot of people somewhat are stuck after the second property because the first two is pretty easy. You buy from a developer, generally you don't have to pay anything besides the booking fee. Then if you were to buy sub-sale also and you put in 10% only. What about the third? Right? How do we move beyond that? Um, there are ways about it. One is to join with family and friends. One is to actually share names, but there are actually agreements format to it to ensure both parties are equally protected. Then there are ways to refinance the existing two slots into a different financing facility. So those are not calculated within the secret system. Well, I just did it for my property, so that's how I can maximize and buy and buy again. Of course, there's the cons to it where the interest rates are slightly higher, the insurance rates are slightly higher, but the objective is to just clear off the slots so you can actually buy more 90% loan properties. Then the third is to consider joining a bulk purchasing company where they can get deals with higher discount rates so you don't have to cough out as much money. For example, if it's a 20% discount, you cough out less already. And there are many, many other different strategies to go around it. But generally, let's not forget that properties are humongous ticket items and it requires a lot of wealth in terms of wallet and in terms of mindset. So I personally think that the 290% slots, right, it's a good move as it cools down the property to have less speculators. If not, the property price is going to go even insane. And luckily for two, so it kind of limits the number of mistakes that for inexperienced property investors to make. So instead of making a lot of mistakes in properties, now they make two only because that's the only two they can afford. So you somehow control the losses. That's my take. And I think that's all for today, Randy. Thank you very much for the email. Let me include my banker's contact down below. Her name is Miss Catherine, so you can contact her about the refinancing part from AIA. She's really helpful, so feel free to just contact them. And I guess that's all for today. Thank you very much for watching. For those who still have any questions regarding real estate, do just email me at tanihereng at gmail.com tanihereng at gmail.com or you can just DM me on Instagram, ihereng, and I will see you on the next one. Ciao! Love comes in my heart.